Okay, we're rolling. Episode 34. I have with me the man, the myth, the legend, the the Irish demon, also known as uh, Colin Rigney. So thanks for coming on today, bud. Hey, Charles. Uh, so people who know you, you sound funny to us Canadians. So where did you grow up? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in uh, Dublin, Ireland. Uh, the big smoke, as we say, uh, in Dublin. Uh, obviously, I, I travel around a bit of Ireland, so I moved around some uh, places, and we've got lots of different dialects. So yeah, to you Canadians, I do sound a bit funny. <laughs> I can I can understand you just fine. But like, okay, so so you grew up right in Dublin, or just outside, or yeah, in suburbs, in, in or the what? suburbs. Yeah. So I was when I was nine, I moved to County Cork, which is like the west of Ireland, uh, for a few years, and come back to Dublin again. Yeah. So Dublin suburbs. Probably in a half an hour, thirty minutes from the city center. Awesome. And where did you like? Where did you go to school? So here we have like elementary, junior high, high school. How does the school work there? Like, yeah, so in Ireland, obviously, good Catholic uh, country. Uh, schools are predominantly based on religion. So I went to a Christian brother school, which is a Catholic school, and most of the schools in Ireland would be a boys' school, a girls' school. So girls would go to a convent. Boys would go to a Christian, Christian brothers if you're Catholic. In more recent years, they have now denominational schools, non-denominational schools. But when I was going to school, it was a Christian brother school. Um, when I went in first, there was some brothers there. As I, when I left, it was all uh, lay teachers. So interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. And, and so, what's the equivalent to high school? Like, what, 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 what did you call that? Yeah, so we call our schools primary school and secondary school. Yeah. So, you know, there are two two different schools. So it'd be the equivalent would be uh, up to grade six would be primary school. Yeah. So elementary, you call it here. Yeah. And then you have junior high and high. We have that in the one school. It's called secondary school. Okay. And it's generally five years. There is schools who have an optional. They call it a transition year in, in the middle, which makes it six. But most most kids would go to secondary school for five years. Okay, so you're out actually a year earlier than the kids in Canada here, kind of a thing. Well, most people would be around eighteen coming out of school. Okay. Some people would be seventeen, but the majority of people would be eighteen. If you went to school, maybe when you're four, you come out when you're seventeen. Okay, okay, and so when you came out of high school, or sorry secondary school did you know you're gonna go into construction like was that a thing for you yeah so I kind of grew up in construction so and my dad worked for a big building providers be similar to whatever you know who supply materials to building sites so I worked there from the age of 12 onwards I was out in the yard uh, loading loading big trucks for deliveries and then I used to go to construction sites and deliver stuff so I'd be carrying around bags of cement that were heavier than me at the time, eight stone bags, 50 kilo bags, when I was 12, 13, big eight by four sheets of drywall. So I grew up in, you know, con you know, selling construction materials. And then when I was in school, you know, um, I decided I was gonna go for engineering. So I went to, when I finished secondary school, then I went to University College Dublin to do a degree in civil engineering. And then during my degree, I got a placement with a construction company in Ireland, I worked for 15 years so I think yeah from I'm gonna say from 14 15 years old I always had a, a good interest in construction that's awesome did, like when you were a kid did you like building stuff like like was there always a passion to like yeah I was a big Lego fan you know a big Lego fan huge you know resource of Lego spent all day building Lego stuff uh, and it's cool, pretty cool that my kids all love Lego now so you know 
I was back in Ireland two years ago and I bought all my old Lego set over and my kids play with that. Yeah, I was a big Star Wars fan, you know, building ships. So yeah, always had an interest in how things went together, uh, had an interest in how things worked. So that probably played into the engineering construction mind. So interesting thing that I know, or maybe I don't even know, um, in, in Europe, like to be a superintendent, you actually have to have, or site manager, you have to have your construction engineering certificate, right? Uh, no, and it depends. So in Ireland, you know, it'd be similar to here. Most site managers, are, so we call it, yeah, superintendent site manager, yeah. would be from a trade background. Yeah. And then project managers primarily are based on site full-time. So, you know, the site manager, i.e. superintendent, and the PM have a very close relationship. And some of the roles are a bit different than here because you have a PM and you have a site manager and a site full-time. Some of the roles are quite different than the PM role and the superintendent role here. Another big difference is the contracts in Ireland are all based on bills of quantity, so it's all remeasurable quantity. So it's all quantities and rates. And you have a, a team member called a quantity surveyor who would be on the team full-time, who would manage all the costings, rates, and... Um, and, and uh, We were talking about the site manager, like, so you have a quantity survey. Um, quantity surveyor, yeah. Surveyor, yeah. and you actually you actually did that chunk, right? Like well, no, so the quantity surveyor is a different qualification. So you actually, okay. go, you actually go to college for, you get a, a, you get a, um, a degree in quantity surveying. Um, so the PMs, project managers then would work with the surveyor. But here, you know, the, from a PM, there's a lot more financial uh, role involved in terms of forecasting, the surveyor would do most of that at home and the project manager would would, would maybe look in to oversee it and yeah. give input. But here, the PM does it. Does everything. Uh, and I think it's a much better process because, you know, the PM then has full, you know, has full knowledge of every single cent in the job. Uh, and, you know, they're working closely with the superintendent on cost. So, yeah, I think it's a better system. Again, there's an awful lot of work that goes into remeasurable contracts in terms of you have a quantity surveyor on the contracting side, you have a quantity surveyor on the uh, on the client side. And that's two roles we don't have here, and it makes it a lot simpler in terms of lump sum contracts. Uh, obviously, the change order process is a lot more because, you know, you're always in change orders where remeasurable contracts, you're measuring quantities unless we have scope changes. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, so you prefer like a, like North America's kind of style of construction? Yeah, then? I personally prefer it. Uh, I Con prefer, I contractual and yeah, I prefer the PM role as well. You know, yeah. I think it's a lot more interesting. Um, you know, a kind of PM role back in Ireland is a lot of it'd be very similar to a superintendent role with a bit more financials in it, but very similar to a superintendent role. So you get good side experience. Yeah, you know, I think uh, most. Again, in Ireland, and in England would be slightly different, but in Ireland, when you come out of university uh, as an engineer on the, con on the construction side, you generally work as a surveyor for a couple of years. You're out there laying out, doing all the layout, you're leading teams of engineers, you know, depending on how, how large your project is. So your role primarily is project coordinator and layout. So you're doing all the RFIs, all the daily reports, and all the surveying. And so it gives you a very good background in terms of how sites operate, how to work with teams on site and great construction knowledge. Yeah, you know what, and you know, like our, so our typical construction technology is much different than Ireland. Ireland is a lot of block, 
lot of cement, lot like so. What was that like? Because it's a totally like when you think about it, it's totally different systems. You guys have way more moisture and and barrier uh, barrier stuff that you got to worry about just because of the moisture content versus here. It, we we don't have to as much. It's still you know like the barriers on the building is still you know vapor barriers and stuff is, is still key. But you know like it's very it, to me it seems different. Yeah, I mean like one of the big huge differences to me and a big learning curve for me coming over here was winter construction. Like you know you can have a 40, 50 degree temperature differential here. We don't have that in Ireland. So you know in Ireland once we get below plus five we don't pour concrete. So we don't have boilers, heated aggregate, we don't have winter concrete. Once you go below plus five, we just stop concrete work. It just stops. So winter construction in terms of heating and hoarding was a big learning curve for me. Definitely we have a, a lot higher humidity level, so we have a lot more moisture to live with. We have a lot more masonry, a lot more brick. And again, one thing I found unusual when I came to Canada was, you know, in Ireland, um, most of the envelopes are certified systems. So you get certificates, and the British Board of Argument certificate is probably the most, one of the most popular you get, so it's called a BBA certificate. So you get rain screen systems that are certified for 30 years, and it's not just one piece of it, it certifies as a system. So all the EFIS issues you guys have here in Canada, you would not have that in Ireland or the UK because they have to be certified systems. The other one thing, one other big difference is, when you look at design life, uh, when you're building any residential schemes, you have to have materials that have a design life of minimum 60 years. That's why we use a lot of brick, a lot of block, you know, a lot of natural zinc, yeah. which have you know proven certs that can show a design life of 60 years minimum. Interesting. Huh. Now, so you moved to Canada how long ago? So I moved over here in 2011, September 2011. So when I moved over, I had uh, my eldest was just turning two, and I had like Jamie was like five or six months old, and then we had a third child here, so we had a true Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice. here, yeah, here, just nine years now. Nice, nine years. What are you gonna do for your ten-year celebration? Oh my God, that's a that, that's a good question. Um, I suppose it's gonna depend how how the, how the lie of the land is, you know, September next year in terms of restrictions. So I think you know we'd like to go somewhere to celebrate our tenth anniversary in Canada. Um, we love, you know, we love the province, we love Canada, we love a lot of traveling around, we're avid campers. In the summer we probably go camping every second, second weekend. Nice. There's, there's huge things to do here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, places to go and see. But yeah, we haven't even thought about that yet. Yeah. Um, when we came over here originally, we came for two years. Yeah. It was a two-year plan. Yeah. yeah. A two-year plan. And then, then we bought a house and it was a five-year plan and it was like, who knows, it's a, a 20-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you ever going to move back home, you think? Who knows? Who, you know, it's a question that my wife and me are, talk about, you know, in terms of are we ever going to go back? We always talked about if we're ever going to move back, we would move back before our eldest is 10, just, you know, because it's moving schools. Um, I don't see us moving back anytime in the near future. I think, you know, we like our lifestyle here. We love Canada. We love, the, we love jobs. We love, you know, we love camping. Our kids like their schools. It'd be a huge move to move kids back to to Ireland and again the Irish economy is very cyclic you know and you know most economies are but the Irish economy is a big boom bust big boom bust you know so we have good we have seven eight year cycles where we are great then we then we go bust then we go we go boom again we go bust 
So, and the Irish market is very dependent on external markets, the American markets, you know, the, you know, the Intels of the world, Dells of the world, where, you know, Canada have a lot of natural resources, you know, even though oil is, you know, not, not a great word at the moment, but, you know, oil will come back at some stage, uh, there's good resources here. Interesting. Uh, so we got work stuff out of the way, let's get some personal stuff in there. Um, favorite sport to play? So my favorite sport to play would be Gaelic football. So I grew up playing Gaelic football and hurling. I'm not sure if anybody know what they are. Uh, so, so hurling is a lot like our lacrosse. That's what I do know. It's it, kind it's a, of. It's a bit different, yeah. So it's, it's probably the fastest field sport in the world. You play with a stick. You can YouTube hurling, um, and you know you play with a small slitter. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a great game. It's violent. Uh, <laughs> probably a matter of perspective. <laughs> uh, Gaelic football is probably very similar to Aussie rules. So I grew up playing both them sports. Uh, I love watching rugby. Um, I also played street soccer as a kid, uh, all from a very early age. So we played soccer every day as a kid. So big soccer star fan as well. Um, and I, I, all my three kids play soccer now, so I, I coach soccer. Uh, but my favorite sport to watch would be rugby. And my favorite sport to play would be Gaelic football. Nice. And so you have a smoking hot wife named Lisa. <laughs> How old were you guys when you guys met? Oh, well, we actually met when we were in our late teens uh, at a, a disco, we call it. I'm sure you call it dances. Dance, here. yeah. The dances uh, when we were late teens. And then didn't see each other again, I'm going to say, till I was in my, 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 my late 20s. So we would have got together in... We were about 28, and then we went out for about five years, we got married, and then the rest is history. Awesome, and like, so when you guys started dating, were you like, yeah, she's the only one that can put up with my shit, or? Uh, probably, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think we were, we were about at an age, you know, we were late 20s, we'd done a bit of traveling, you know, we seen a bit of the world, so I think when we both met, we were probably at an age where we were getting ready to settle down, so yeah. it was just good timing, and yeah, I think, as you said, Lisa could put up with my BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's lovely. She's she's awesome, and she writes too. You said. Yeah, so Lisa, yeah, she was a financial her like her, her career. She's in the financial services sector in Ireland. She worked for one of the biggest banks, um, but always a great you know great writer, great reader. Had a love, a passion for writing and reading. Um, so she writes blogs. You know, she writes poems. And uh, she just actually got a job now starting next um, next January with the Celiac Association. My daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease about two years ago. So she got a job with the Celiac Association and she's going to be writing and doing uh, event coordination for them and writing events. So she's looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah, whenever COVID decides to yeah. like not be a thing anymore, yeah. involved in our lives. So. What, what are some of your favorite, so you name some of your favorite things to do with the family. Obviously it's camping, like I know this about you guys, you're avid campers. You're very, you're like probably the most active family that I know. Um, so is, is there any Colin Rigney time? Like is there any like, this is what just you does? Yeah, I do. So yeah, so um, you know, I was, as I said, I played Gaelic football, uh, hurling till my mid-twenties. And then I was uh, became big into scuba diving, so I joined. I was in a scuba diving club, uh, and we used to, you know, we used to dive twice a week in the summer in Ireland. Uh, and Lisa actually joined as well, so Lisa and I dived together. And then, you know, I think as you get a bit older, you kind of get uh, you, you get into less, uh, you know, 
extreme sports or less contact sports. So I curl now. So I'm in a curling club. Uh, obviously, it stopped at the moment because of COVID-19. So I curl in a rookie league on a Sunday evening. I love curling. It's a great sport, a great social sport. I also work out, you know, myself. So it's my time in the morning. I get up at 5.30. I do about an hour, watch TV, watch the news, work out. That's my that's my headspace. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and and the curling, yeah. So the rest then, I you know coaching soccer, keeping the kids busy in soccer, uh, that keeps me. And obviously a busy job uh, uh, keeps me busy. That's great. That's great. Now, so if you were to think future retirement stuff, would you retire in Ireland or would you retire and just be mobile? Like when your kids are all grown up. And you, you and Lisa can just travel the world because you, I, I, you guys like traveling too, right? Like you've been all over the world. We love, yeah, we love traveling. Yeah. So you know, where are we going to retire? That's that's a very tough question because we we talk about it as well. You know, will we go, will we retire to Ireland? Will we go to go to Kelowna? Will we stay in Edmonton? You go somewhere else completely. I think it's a great question. You know, your kids are going to grow up. Your kids are going to do their own thing. You know, who knows where they'll go in the world? You know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. I think that may they may that might influence our decision where our kids are going to be when we get to that age. Uh, but yeah, I think you know Ireland could definitely be on the cards for retirement. You know, back back to our roots. You know, you, you'll you'll always miss Ireland, miss the culture, great pub culture. <laughs> um, but again, there's so many good places here to retire. You know, as well. So who knows? It's it's it, there's lots of options. Um, you know. Uh, I think uh, where our kids are going to be will, will, will influence that decision. That's awesome. So one last question is, where's your favorite place to camp? Oh, where's my favorite place to camp? So I've been, in my time here in Canada, I've, I've camped in some pretty cool places. I'm not sure that I have one favorite. I think I was down in, we were down in Montana last year in Glacier National Park. That was spectacular, fabulous, really enjoyed that. But then, you know, we've camped in BC, you know, we camped in Kimberley, we've camped in Penticton. To me, Alberta has some great camp spots. So, so you know, Dinosaur Provincial Park, really, really enjoyed that as a campground. Riding on Stone Provincial Park, which is on the border of the States, really cool campground. If you have young kids, it's like an outdoor playground, all the hoodoos, rocks, you can climb all over them, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, yeah, so they were, they were the ones that kind of really stick in my mind, you know, Kimberley, Penticton, Dinosaur Provincial Park, um, Glacier National Park, uh, great campgrounds, Riding a Stone. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about working at Shandos? Oh, um, what's my favorite thing about working at Shandos? Um, I think it really is, um, to me, and people say culture, so I'm not gonna, like, culture, culture is culture. Uh, we have a great team dynamic here in this district. Uh, to me, what makes company is the people. The people make company. If you come into work, um, you know, knowing you're gonna enjoy the interactions you're gonna have, you're gonna enjoy your day, you're excited to come to work, then you know you're in a good company. And, you know, Shandos really promotes uh, that type of, you know, engagement with teams, really promote good accountability. I love the accountability uh, culture. Um, I love the innovation. And again, there's no one thing that drew me to, when I, you know, drew me to Shandos was, you know, although I like process, I don't like over process. So in terms of, you know, we have a line, you know, we have a point to get to A to B. How we get there, you know, is the team can decide themselves. Once we, you know, follow, you know, 
we, you know, financial guidelines, we're making money, keeping clients happy, schedule. Um, but yeah, so I think to me, it really is culture and people probably have different views on what that means. To me, it's, you know, the culture of allowing people to do, to flourish, you know, progress, the freedom to do that. But the people and the culture attracts good people. You know, people who are honest to me is very, you know, in terms of people I, I want to see or work with are people who are honest, people who have integrity, people who are accountable, people who will help each other out, people who work as a team. I think we have that here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, I, could, I couldn't have worded it better myself. So thank you so much for coming on today. That was awesome. That was a quick, quick, like 30 minutes actually. Awesome. Um, but uh, before we go, Teach us some Irish slang. Oh my god! <laughs> like, like, like. Okay, my my wife asked asked uh, asked me to ask you what a verd a vard vard is. Vard? I'm not sure. V a r d. I don't know. I can't answer that. Vard. Oh. I'm not sure. But Irish slang. Yeah, I mean, I think every like Ireland's quite different to Canada in terms of our slangs and our dialects. So in Canada, I find you know. There's, there isn't many different dialects. The accents are quite the same. You know, out east, obviously, there's a bit of a different accent, and that's very similar to the Irish accent, Newfoundland. But yeah, where you go, where you go, we've got 31 counties in our 32 counties in Ireland. Depending on which county you go, to, every county has its own accent, its own dialect, its own slags. You know, so yeah, um, like Cork is, you know, they always say like, like, you know, uh, uh, and you know, different, different counties have different slangs. I'll have to think about what would be a good one. And okay. What well, a dub, yeah. <laughs> so where I'm from, we call, call it dub. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, awesome. Colin, thank you so much. I know I put you on the spot, threw, threw you right off your, your schedule today, which is, which is what I do. But uh, thank you for coming on. Any last words of wisdom from Colin Rigney? I'm not sure wisdom. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for inviting me. You know, a lot of second catching me off guard. But yeah, really, yeah. Uh, I say, you know, it's like, and I think this is another part of the culture, Charles. You know, that really these podcasts listen to people's stories. It's a great. It's great to hear other people's stories, and it's a huge amount of effort on your behalf to do it. But I think people really appreciate listening to people's stories. So yeah, I think great, great to Shannon. It's great to you. And keep up the good, keep it, keep it up, dude. Yeah, you know what? Like I, again, this isn't my idea. This was Dale Waterhouse's. It came out of Tiny Pulse, and we just ran with it. You know yeah. what I mean? It t- it takes a village, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I love. I actually I love doing it. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Um, you know, so I didn't make fun of you too bad. <laughs> you were you were nice to me. That's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the mic's off. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Colin. Uh, And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Cool.